Welcome to Disjointed. Our podcast mission is to bring a voice to the problems facing decision-making in the built environment. Today, communication and processes are disjointed in the world of design and construction. Work happens across tools, teams, and timelines, making it hard to keep everyone connected. It's a constant challenge to reduce friction and meet project expectations. We believe there's a better way. I'm your host, Jeff Sample, and welcome to another episode. I have a guest with me today. I am excited to interview Julian Clayton. Julian, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. Hope you're doing well, buddy. Yeah, it's it's great to be here. Great to be catching up with you. I got to see you live recently in Denver. Now I get to have you on the show. Tell everybody who's not familiar with you a little bit about your story and, and how you got here. Sure. Yeah, I listen, I've been in this world the construction world my entire life. So I really don't have a choice. I don't know how to do anything else. You put me in manufacturing, I'm lost. So <laughs> this is all I know. So this is all I do, right? Uh, been at it since uh, you know er- early teens and uh, came up uh, through the ranks, uh, ultimately landing in my own uh, commissioning company and uh, built that up from one guy, one truck, one service, one customer to uh, national for a couple customers in uh, east of the Mississippi for everybody else. And then uh, then the crash came and I had to get educated. And that's really where I got my uh, start in construction technology. I had to decide if I was gonna save my business or shut it down and start over. And I opted for the harder path and uh, really got uh, my feet wet in construction technology. So I put out one of the first apps, uh, mobile apps for construction, which was called Punchlist. Ultimately, uh, that journey led me th- uh, through a lot of different places, but I landed uh, as the first head of product at FieldLens, uh, which we ultimately sold to WeWork. Uh, we can all watch the documentary to learn how that turned out. And uh, <laughs> now I am VP of product for general contractors at Procore and couldn't be happier about it, honestly. Well, it's a, it's a heck of a run. I mean, uh, we met throughout that phase, and so you've seen the digitization, but you've also seen the change in the industry and you came up through it. You made that, you you know, so many of us, once you got a taste for it, you weren't leaving. I did not get my start here in the industry, but as soon as I found the industry, I said, wow, it feels like I kind of found home. So, um, but as you've watched it grow, you hear the, you know, the name of the show is disjointed. So you've got some purview to it. What comes to mind when you hear disjointed? Well, I mean, honestly, I've been at this so long that I remember when we would talk about AEC tech and then everybody would follow that with, and the sea is silent, right? There was tech out there, but that back then it like mainly focused on the design side. So the problems we were solving were a bit lopsided back then. We've come a long way. My career is a, an example of that, but I would argue there's still plenty to do. Like when I hear disjointed, the first thing that comes to mind for me is the focus on the field and not just building technology for them specifically, but also realizing what they can bring to the table. There's there's so much value in their heads. And even in a design build scenario, we often source information from the wrong people at the right company, right? Constructability is one thing, but it takes a specific type of experience to recognize If we could just make that span two inches wider, we can place right off the truck and eliminate one crane, right? If we're not bringing those voices to pre-construction conversations, we're missing out on a ton of value there. Uh, You're you're 
you're preaching to the choir on that part of things, that this jointed nature, that technology becomes a barrier to the information insides of the heads of the people who really know how to build it. You know, not only do we need them there to help us now, there's a lot of them aging out. We're going to lose a lot of that. And so that, that just, that, that, that not being joined together is really going to hurt us. Um, where else do you see it when you really think about that construction part of things where, you know, you think you said it, I really like that the A and E, but the C is silent. Well, the C's got a voice now, yeah, but, but where, I mean, where do you see it needing the most help? Well, you, you brought up the, the point about the experience, right? That's the, the experience is leaving the industry. So there's a similar gap with historical data. Like estimators are the obvious group to, to send that to. You want them looking at your actuals so they know what reality looks like when they're building their estimates for the next job. But PMs often don't get to see that historical data or what they do see isn't the detail where they'll get the most value, right? They need to know about how trades have performed on past projects. What were their response times? What was their history of compliance? And that type of information is really important for them for contractor selection. And while we're at it, why don't you share it with those contractors too? They did great work. They ought to be proud of that and they ought to be using that work to win more jobs. It's those little changes where I where I see the disjointed piece. Uh, you know, obviously they they roll up and they get exponentially worse and and harder to deal with, but if we can focus on that the smaller pieces like how we collect and share information that can go a long way toward creating stronger connections inside project teams. I think sometimes we over-index on how much change is necessary and we miss those small wins that could add up to more value than the bigger win that we're chasing, right? I think back to my time at, at WeWork and you know where my experience was nothing like the documentary or the Apple TV show, by the way. But... <laughs> When we landed there after the acquisition, they asked me to look into how we could improve on the project schedule. And actually they wanted to pull out an entire month out of that project schedule. So in that case, I was just as guilty of everybody else uh, looking at the big pieces. What did I do? I walked in with my chest puffed out and I jumped on the IPD bandwagon and I flew to Texas to talk to a handful of contractors and get, try to get them to agree to a new contract and delivery method. And I was so confident about how that was going to revolutionize everything they were going to do. And what I got in return was some really good barbecue and an education on reality. <laughs> right? Those, those and crews, not the reality but, capture most of us think, no, but real not reality. <laughs> no. And, and, and what I learned really quickly was those contractors were not agreeing to an entirely new contract, Right. They already had too many unknowns with their existing contracts that they were dealing with. They weren't about to take the risk to change that entire structure, but they were willing to do literally everything else. They were willing to contribute to design and constructability reviews, and they weren't even charging more for that time because they knew ultimately it would save them time on the project, and they saw it as an opportunity to get more jobs in that year with the same crews. So it was win-win for everybody. We didn't have to change the entire contract and delivery method for every project around the world. We just had to engage with those trades earlier in the project. And we found our month that we were looking for in an entirely different place. 
And it was another very, very small detail. We realized that the architects and engineers we were working with were sending interns to coordination meetings instead of including people who could actually make a decision about the issues we were discussing. So that meant every single decision on their side added a week because we had an intern taking notes, going back to their team, talking to them, and then bringing the decision back in the next weekly meeting. And that's assuming that the decision was one we could accept and didn't have to send it back again to do that round again and again and again. And by just simply making that one call to say decision makers only on these calls, we went from 12 to eight weeks coordination schedule and found our month just like that in the smallest details. Yep. And, and to reflect that back to you, there's, there's so many people looking for and talking about disruption in the industry, right? And, and you get focused around, I'm somehow we're going to explode this thing and we're going to do the Uber effect. Well, you know, I was talking with Josh Bone on stage recently about this is like, well, the taxi companies ignored a whole lot of signs for a whole lot longer. And really they ignored their customer, right? Their customer was expecting something. They actually probably Uber and Lyft wouldn't exist if they taxi companies have been listening and slowly transforming, taking a step forward. Hey, first we're going to create an app. Uh, that might just allow you to be a rider. So we know you're a, a regular rider. Let's say they just, they didn't just come up with Uber out of somewhere. They came up with it transformatively slowly, like a, a minute here, a minute there. That's the kind of movement forward. You know, everybody's looking for the epic one, but for me, we're not going to get there. And that's the kind of change you're talking about is like, you've got to listen in and it, it's an inch here, an inch there. All of a sudden you're at a mile, you know, this the construction industry i don't think is going to have that disruptive moment i think we're more of a transformative industry and that's kind of where you're saying hey we've got to join together the the opportunity for that advancement that's exactly it it's these this industry is not going to tolerate drastic immediate change because we haven't tested the downstream impact of that but every one of those experienced individuals that we're all watching kind of gear up for retirement or, or go ahead and kick it off, they've all seen enough things in their lives in the industry to warn them about that drastic change. We, we all have the new guy that showed up that day and had the best idea about this new way we were going to do something. And then we end up with a handful of change orders and a month delay on the project and maybe a little liquidated damages to go along with it. And maybe that wasn't such a great idea. And it, it, it's that it, it's for me, the disjointed is, is getting down to that level to find the smallest pieces of that problem and focus on those first. Because when you can show the value to the individuals that are dealing with that pain in the moment, you can get them to buy into the bigger problem. Right? Analytics is a great, uh, great topic on that. I, I've had conversations with, with lots of different companies about that. And you know, what does everybody want? They all want portfolio level analytics. What are you going to do with portfolio level? There's so much I could do with it, right? But where are you going to collect it? You can't. You have to go way down and break that problem down because if the data underneath is going to roll up to that portfolio level and it's garbage, well, we know what we're going to get at the top of that. And then when you start digging into that problem, you realize it's not actually a data problem first. 
it's a culture problem first. You've got to show those teams in the field the value of that information as it relates to them specifically. Show them how it makes their lives easier. And once they see that, data health becomes a non-issue because everybody's pushing to get healthy data so they can get the value of it themselves. Well, now you've just solved the base problem for portfolio level analytics by just showing the teams in the field the value of the data that they're collecting and why it's so important to get it in timely and make sure it's accurate. It's so funny because I just recently heard about, you know, a group that's really working on doing the the analysis of how clean or dirty your data is. And it's like, well, that's great and all, but, you know, let's get to the core problem. The core problem is we're disjointed from the field and the field has no idea why we're doing this. And oh, by the way, let's not forget the big elephant in the room. Half the things we kicked down the road to them previously to where we are today, but this is previously to, to a lot of these modernizations, a lot of these tools is we just kicked paperwork out to them, right? We just, we just pushed more things down to them. So of course they're reticent to not really jump on the bandwagon because it with them, what's in it for me? Why would I do this? So exactly. that's another disjointed you're saying, you know, and I love that too, because executives love to ask for that portfolio level. I want to look over a dashboard that looks at everything. Yeah. Okay. But what, what does the person in the field get from that? What, so what's your answer to that sometimes? It's it, yeah, it, it, you're exactly right. And it's, it's that, I think it's that gut reaction to give the boss what they want. Right. And, and not be willing to explain to them how we get it and what else we're gonna get. Because just getting portfolio level analytics, to stay on that example, that's a win. Like, Sure, a company's gonna get use out of that. The executive team is gonna get use out of that. But if you go downstream like we're talking about and you show the value at the field level, and not even for the bigger number, the, the smaller pieces, then you're gonna get so much more. You're gonna get a stronger understanding of your quality program. You're gonna get a stronger understanding of your safety program. You're gonna get a stronger understanding of the root cause of every overage, every schedule delay, all those pieces and understanding what caused things so that you can prepare for those on the next project and being able to get lessons learned type you know, the experience that is just sitting in the heads of individuals that like you and I both know there are certain things that in this industry, you're only going to learn when you see it. There's nothing we can do to explain it to you. You just have to bump into it on a project and then you're going to learn how to deal with it. And some of those moments happen once, maybe twice in a career. And then you, th then you learn that hard lesson collecting the right data at the field level and making sure it's healthy passes on that experience from team to team, especially if we're making sure it's healthy in the smallest pieces, then the number of ways we can organize and distribute that be become virtually infinite. Uh, and I would argue too that, that so much of what we've done has you know, project managers, superintendents, those smart people looking down, trying to get one more thing done or answer one more email instead of looking up and seeing that thing coming, 
Like they're the ones who were in the field at one point all the way in and have experienced that one thing that happens once or twice in your career. And because they're looking down and not looking up, they're going to miss it again on their job and somebody else could have learned from them. So it really is showing them what it's about, freeing them up to do what they do really, really well, which is coordinate jobs and get things done. I mean, you know, they're, I don't like to call them thanks to Jonathan Marsh. I don't like to call them problem solvers because, you know, the people say, oh, construction people are problem solvers. No, they're not. We just throw too many problems at them. So they've begun to believe that that's their job. They're actually builders and they build things for a living. So, um, it's just that we've given them enough problems to deal with it. So I know we're getting a little long. So I always like to ask this of all the guests, if you were in my shoes, if you were at the helm of disjointed, where would you go? What would you want to learn? What would you want to hear us surface from people? I would go out and talk to every superintendent and foreman I could find. And I would want to know what is sucking time out of their day. Like, what are they spending too much time looking for? What is creating those moments back when I was in the field? If you sent somebody to go look for a tool, didn't matter if you sent them at 9.15 a.m. or 1.45 in the afternoon, that's the last time you see that person that day. And I feel like we're recreating that up the leadership chain now by, by forcing them to go look for data and go look for the, to your point, the solution to the problem. And I think if we're going to solve a lot of the big pieces that we want to break off for them from this industry, we're going to have to get down to those minute details with those individuals and know exactly what is stopping them from being more, the most productive they can be. Uh, I, I think it's awesome. I think that's a great opportunity for us to really join the field and the office together and, you know, and, and break down those disjointed barriers there, you know, there nowhere in this show and no one who's come on has been like, we're challenging the intelligence of this industry. And that's what I love is we are all A, E and C really intelligent. We all are really important in the process, but we are all not syncing up to get our best experience out of it. So happy to take that with me. And uh, I look forward to going out and talking to some superintendents and some foremen and, and hearing what they have to say. Um, I got to let you go, but let everybody know where they can connect with you, where they can connect with Procore and learn more. Well, you can obviously connect with Procore at Procore.com. And there's a ton of resources there for you to learn more about the company and all the great work we're doing and the great product along with it. And if you want to connect with me, I'm relatively easy to find on LinkedIn and, uh, and, and you, can, you can reach out to me about anything there and I'd be happy to chat about it. Well, I'll have him linked in the show notes so you guys can drop by disjointed.fm if you, uh, you want to connect with Julian. I, uh, I really recommend it. I've known Julian for a while, had an impact on my career, and I always enjoy talking. If you guys knew how long it took us to actually get to this interview, you know, some, I wish I had been recording some of that, Julian, and I thank you so much for joining to me. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Disjointed. Remember to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. To learn more about Disjointed or read the show notes, just stop by disjointed.fm. This show is brought to you by Join, the decision-making platform for the built environment. Learn more at join.build.